Welcome to Episode 2, Part 3 of Ask a Dude. Three women, one guy, where we get real answers on subjects most men aren't willing to talk about. This is Sacred Truths with Emmy Graham. So, this is really powerful and really interesting. I think the the two questions that I'm I'm interested in all of it, but the two questions that I'm interested in ongoing is if anyone says something that really doesn't apply, because so far this is feeling universal, maybe, but I'm not sure if that. Is it resonating? Is is what everyone is listing resonating with everyone? Well, for me, it's that it's all okay. Like, what's the food? Oh, so I could eat with, like, I could eat lots and really enjoy it. And as long as I'm hot while I'm doing it, it's fine. Gotcha. So, in a way, it's not resonating. Okay. Because it feel, it's feeling like anything goes. I'm sure there's... That's not absolutely true, but it's feeling like almost anything goes as long as you're hot while you're doing it. Or as long as you're a hot type of that one. Like, I could ride motorcycles and jump out of planes and be a soldier, but as long as I look hot while I'm doing it. Okay. And so the other question is, anytime that you've had a conscious experience where someone said something to enforce one of these things. Like your grandma or someone saying something. Because what's really interesting to me, and this is interesting for men as well, is what's on it? Is there a list that we could call universal? And how does it get transmitted? How is this happening? So that's what's really interesting to me. And it does sound like what is universal across our three lists is being pleasing sexual objects, whatever that means, is like on all of our lists pretty clearly, right? That's actually a distinction I want to make. So I'm interested in whatever you learned in your generation compared to, I'm wondering how you relate to this. I have a couple things here want sex but not too much sex you don't ever want to be a slut and wanting some sex is better than not wanting sex at all you don't ever want to be a prude so i'm wondering how that translates for you heather you know if i think of myself now at 44 i it's almost like i can't even relate to the question if i think of myself younger you know when i'm a teenager in my 20s I can definitely relate to the, especially earlier in high school age, the, I forget how we were talking about it, but like the slut or prude, right? Slut or prude. I can remember stigma around a few girls who were, I'm doing air quotes, slutty, but it didn't feel like a huge 
part of my consciousness, whether, you know, being worried about being in either of those categories. And for the most part, if someone had had sex with multiple partners, to a point, it was not a problem. And I don't think it was really a problem if someone didn't want to have sex either. I don't remember that being a stigma thing, unless maybe they were very conservative globally. And But if someone just didn't really want to have sex, it didn't seem like that big a deal. I don't know what boys were saying by themselves. I, again, it's really kind of fun to sort of see that the years of our birth really changing this particular narrative. Because as you were speaking, I was thinking of um, a young woman in my junior high class. And this person was considered, she was a bad girl. She was a bad girl. And what was her crime? She called boys on the phone. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. She was very forward. Yep. Going straight straight to ruin yeah you could just see it you know it's it's the gateway right first you're calling boys on the phone there's no telling what might happen after that. <laughs> well it can be true sometimes yeah i also am curious about this one is disturbing but it is true for me Never hurt a man's feelings by rejecting his sexual advance smile and be kind I'm wondering how that resonates with the group. I don't know that I'd add the kind part, but certainly in my life, there's been trouble when either I wanted to kind of alter what was happening or I said something about what was happening or I even questioned what was happening because my sense was that you know, we, we joke about this, some women, when we're feeling snarky, that the male ego can't take it. But certainly in my personal experience, there was those particular cir- circumstances. It was dangerous to say anything because, and this was where the person would fly into a rage. So maybe it was related to shame. Maybe it was related to not knowing something. I'm not sure. But even by asking a question in those circumstances, I... I Got into all like days of the silent treatment, yelling, big reaction over what I thought was like a five word question. And I, I didn't really understand that until you spoke earlier about shame. But it's, it's pretty narrow. What's, I think, particularly for our generation, what was, if you will, allowed or expected or permitted. Not a lot of room. And I entered my teenage years during the sexual revolution. You know, birth control was allowed and women suddenly had more sexual freedom. So I think for my generation, we were suddenly expected to just put out. I am resonating with the making sure not to bruise a man's ego which I think is part of being hot is it's not hot to bruise a man's ego ever under any circumstances. And 
rejection if it's if you're hot while you're rejecting them aka you're kind of a teasing that's that's hot in the right way uh but doing it in a not hot way is dangerous for sure. can be dangerous for sure that feels really true to me uh rejection or other ego violation you know a sense of their ego being violated and not all men but i have definitely had that experience with men and it has felt like kind of in the air among women that i've known i'm sort of thinking about some of the more subtle aspects of expectations on women and maybe i'm thinking about you know the way women ask questions um to whom and when they ask questions of a man. And there is sort of this leftover implication that at this point in my life, I can I can be as smart as I want to be or as goofy as I want to be, but that it's always prudent to ask a man's opinion. Like, oh, what do you think? Before you sort of take an action. As opposed to saying, let's do it my way. In my experience, Typically, and even with my own annoying brother, I have rarely gotten to say, no, we're doing it my way, because your way won't work. And I think we're taught since tiny, you don't say that to most men. It's too assertive. It's too knowledgeable. It's too bold, maybe. Agreed. And even when you take, you do it your brother's way, and it fails miserably, he doesn't say, you know, you were right. <laughs> True that. <laughs> I'm seeing lots of agreement around the table. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have a brother. I still agree. <laughs> so it sounds like in any kind of sexual situation, it's dangerous to say something, to make a suggestion about doing something differently, make any anything that could be considered a non-compliment or anything. It feels pretty risky. That's. I just want to make sure that's what... Yeah, I think risky is the right word. Okay. You're risking potential danger. Okay. If that... It doesn't always end up being dangerous. Sometimes it ends up being great to do that but it's risky to try it. And I think I think you're right and I think anything that that smacks of potential criticism is problematic. Which kind of comes back to Emmy's point of of I don't even know how to articulate but you know you don't question the process even if it's not working for you. Because that smacks of criticism and and can bruise a male ego and it could be potentially dangerous in emotional and or physical ways. This is similar on my list. Do not show hostility toward men or mock them or outsmart them. That's a dangerous area if you outsmart them. And it seems to me many, 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 many things on on your list, Emmy, and the, the list that Heather and I are sort of generating come back to the system, the system in place which, you know, we've called it misogyny. We've also called it, you know, kind of many things, male privilege. 
if I think about the lists of what I can be and how I can be that, they all fit nicely into a sort of standard order of things. As recently as 10 years ago, a friend of mine, a man, was talking about, well, somebody has to be in charge in the house. Of course it's going to be a man. Who else is going to do it properly? And I thought, it's just the 21st century. But this is this is how he felt. And a lot of this conversation is causing me to question things that, that I just, I am so aware of my own acquiescence to the list, even if I don't believe in its existence. It's well said. <laughs> acquiescence, even if I don't believe in its existence. It's really well said. And I can, for sure, from the male side of things, I can relate to that experience. You know, this, to my experience with my list, or the expectations of me, that was a trauma-driven, it's a trauma-driven list. And for me, growing up, the expectations of me, that those expectations were enforced with violence. That's how the social norms were were generated and, and enforced was was violence. So that's going to leave a pretty big mark on a young person. And as an adult, even with the awareness of like, oh, well, no, I don't believe any of that. There's going to be a reflex in that split second to go along with the program because that's... <laughs> That's a trauma response. I think for me, this list is reinforced by shame. I don't exactly know how, but if I violate it, I feel shame. I would agree with that. Especially around sort of body consciousness, body acceptance, how we're supposed to look, what we're supposed to wear. And I think of myself as a reasonably intelligent person, and I've carried that shame that I don't look right always. And it it seems so ghastly to continue to carry that burden. Yeah, it's really hard to put this stuff down. It's really hard to look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm not good enough because fill in the blank, something about your body. And I also have here, do not be too ambitious. And that one just makes me so sad because I don't adhere to a lot of things on this list anymore, but I'm pretty sure that one's loud and clear in my head and always has been. So does awareness bring peace or redemption or the complete dissolution of the soul? <laughs> you know, what, what do we do now? What do we do now? It seems, you know, to me, those of you who are parents, which is all three of you, you have already made probably innumerable choices on how to raise your children to be their authentic selves and perhaps not get bogged down in a lot of this, which gives me, again, a sense of optimism. Um, I sometimes, you know, have conversations about body consciousness with my students, again, people in their 20s generally, and it has dazzled me for the last, I would say, 15 years, how 
comfortable they are in their bodies, no matter what size, shape, color, gender identification they choose. And I've talked about this with a colleague who's about my age, and we just look at these young persons in wonder that that young person feels confident and beautiful and strong. And in my generation, that person would have been shunned from society. No one in junior high would have spoken to them. And they have to wear the clothes that come from that other department. You know, 14-year-olds don't want to wear. That has changed completely in my experience. And I find this dazzling. I marvel at that, too, when I see young people who are so comfortable in their bodies. And I think that's probably the biggest one for me is body shame. And I just marvel at these people who just are. And they don't apologize at all. It's amazing. This is Sacred Truths with Emmy Graham. With music by Lemon Music Studio from Pixabay. And with special thanks to our dude, Nick Ordson. This concludes part three of episode two of Ask a Dude. Please join us for part four. Please visit our website at sacred-truths.com. Thank you for listening.